A woman shows just how much she, how much hate that the left has. The military ain't what it used to be. And what can we, what can we do to put our kids on the right path? This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Okay. Um, I, this is one of the most atrocious things I've ever heard another human being say. And that says a lot. Uh, according to Fox News, a New York City police officer, Jason Rivera, was killed January 21st by a suspect while responding to a de- domestic dispute in Harlem in New York. A second police officer died days later. On Friday, thousands lined Manhattan streets to mourn the 22-year-old Rivera, but actress Jacqueline Guzman wasn't uh, likely wasn't one of them. The New York Post reported. Okay, uh, this is what she said, and I gotta tell you, it's it's pretty disgusting. We do not need to shut down most of lower Manhattan because one cop died for probably doing his job incorrectly. They kill people who are under 22 every single day for no good reason, and we don't shut down the city for them. So, like, this is fucking ridiculous. This is fucking ridiculous. What if somebody is having a heart attack in this area? Nobody can get to them because it's all blocked off for one fucking cop. I mean, what a terrible, terrible human being. Whether you like the cops or not, whether you, you, it's just that kind of hate is just incredible to me. And first off, something, a couple of things I want to point out. She's just freaking wrong. Everything she said was wrong. Cops do not go killing people willy-nilly. We've got the 2021 statistics already. There are about 50 million police interactions a year. That goes from everything from traffic stops to uh, civilians making 911 calls. In 2021, there were only uh, 880 people shot and killed by police. A total of 1,140 were killed in all. That's 0.0023% of all police interactions, percent, mind you, of all police interactions leading to the death uh, at the hands of a police officer. That's nothing. Blacks are also not dying at huge numbers, like this broad probably believes. Out of the 880 police uh, shootings, 113 were blacks. That is 13%. According to the last census data, blacks make up 12.4% of the population. So you're not seeing a huge uh, overkilling of blacks compared to their population. Now that's different from it was last year and the year before where blacks made up something like 22% of the killings. Now they're, they're, they're down to normal. They're down to what their population is. Hispanics, by the way, just just a little FYI, Hispanics are 32% of the population, yet they're kill- only 7.2% of Hispanics are killed by police. So all the crap that she says about, oh, they're just going off killing willy-nilly people every day. No, that's not true. None of it is true. 
By the way, this year, in 2022, no one says anything about this. There have already been eight police killed. In Stockton, California today, there was a fireman that was shot, simply killed, shot and killed, simply for going and trying to uh, stop a fire. 74 police officers died last year. We're already at the end of January at eight. So you're looking at about a, about almost a 50% increase if things go the way they go. Now, this broad's name, I'm going to use her name because I think, she, well, Jacqueline Guzman. Uh, she's just a terrible person. She's an actress. There's a freaking shocker, right? And she sounds like an idiot. And I mean, learn how to pronounce your T's. Okay, and she doesn't have an accent. She just, she just doesn't know how to speak. But she worked for a group called Face to Face. It's a, uh, it's a production company. Well, she got fired after that video was released. So good for her. She could. By the way, cancel culture. I'm sorry, cancel culture is not a bad thing when it's people like this. They, this person deserves never work again, as far as I'm concerned. This is an evil human being. Probably just stupid, but I think she's evil too. To, to sit back and say something like that. You know what? When I die, I, I know they won't close the streets for me either, however I die. But to say something like that is just god-awful. But it, it misses the point. The point of the matter is the reason we're having all this violence, especially against police, is because you've got DAs, leftist politicians, and morons like this idiot who are demonizing the police, who see the death of a policeman as a good thing. I mean, it's, it's really disgusting. This was not only... But see, with the police all showing up, and we're talking blocks and blocks, there were something like 50,000 police out there for Rivera's funeral. This was not only to mourn a police officer, a young police officer, 22 years old, not only to mourn a police officer, this was a protest. This was a protest against these Mickey Mouse DAs. This was a protest against criminals being caught and then released just to commit crimes again. This was a protest by the New York City Police Department. Now, and you can tell, Luis or uh, Jason Rivera's widow, Dominique Luz Riaga, I believe it. Luz Riaga. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. But she blasted the DA, especially the DA. There's this, this is a news report from CBS News. It is a, normally I would just cut out and, and let you hear what she had to say. But I want you to hear the news report because this shows you a lot of the problem with our society today, with our news media today. Remember, I, I, I tell you one thing, stop changing the language. We need to stop changing the language. We keep changing the language. 
So let's listen to this news report and let's listen to, um, uh, 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 what's her name? Lusuriaga speak about her husband. And then we'll talk a little bit about it after. In her emotional eulogy, Detective Rivera's widow also alluded to the gun violence issue in the city and called out the new Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who's been criticized for changing what crimes his office will prosecute. The system continues to fail us. We are not safe anymore. Not even the members of the service. I know you were tired of these laws, especially the ones from the new DA. I hope he's watching you speak through me right now. <laughs> First thing I want to point out is that the officer and his widow are both Hispanic. There is this narrative out there that the police departments are all systemically racist against people of color. The reality is 50% of police of police forces in big cities like New York City are made of people of color. That kind of throws a wrench into the narrative of all police forces are systemically racist. How does the media handle it? They ignore it. They don't they don't say anything about it. They don't point any of that out. I mean, when you when you talk to a when you talk to a Conservative, that's the first thing to point out. Um, most police, uh, about half the police officers are not white. They're a person of color. They're black. They're Hispanic. They're Asian. I also love the narrative that is being pushed by the media now. That, this, that the crime rate is not because of criminals. The, cr crime weight, uh, the crime wave right now, and it's getting pretty intense... The crime wave has to do with gun violence. Here's a secret, okay? This is a big secret. Guns don't commit violence. Guns don't wake up in the morning and just decide they're going to go shoot and kill somebody. People commit violence. And people use tools like guns. But people also use knives, bats, cars, and assorted other weapons. Two police officers this year, I told you, eight police officers died due to criminal violence. Two of those police officers were intentionally run over by a car. So it's not just gun violence that's the problem. Criminals commit violence. Cars don't commit violence. Guns, knives, bats, crowbars, whatever. They don't commit violence. It is the people that handle those implements that commit the violence. But the leftist narrative has to be to take the criminal out of crime and make some sort of object guilty of that crime. And they love to go after guns because they don't want you to have guns. Let's not forget, the left wants to take away freedoms. Now, this gal's speech is important. And apparently, these newscasters from CBS didn't catch it. She's not following the narrative. Her husband was killed by a criminal who was on the streets because of that piece of crap district attorney Bragg in New York City, in Manhattan specifically. He was not killed by an inanimate object. He was killed by a system and a DA who won't put criminals 
in, who won't put criminals in prison, in jail, won't keep criminals in jail. That's why I keep saying this was not just a funeral. It was also a protest against that the garbage system that is in New York City. And so far, Eric Adams, who's the new mayor, I haven't seen anything different from him than what de Blasio did. He's a little angrier, he's a little louder, but I still have yet to see anything else. Now, he's going after guns, too. Don't forget, he's a Democrat. But I don't see any anyone going after criminals. I, don't, I definitely don't see anything going against this district attorney, Bragg. Nothing seems to be happening. But anyway, back to Jacqueline, Jacqueline um, whatever her name is, uh, Guzman. Here's a little secret. You want to keep your job. You want to be an asshole. That's fine. But you want to keep your job? Probably a good idea not to put it on TikTok. Just go tell a friend somewhere. Keep it to yourself. Why our society needs to put everything on bloody TikTok, I have no idea. It makes absolutely no sense to me. By the way, speaking of corruption, according to Fox News, Black Lives Matter, BLM, moved millions of dollars to a charity in Canada run by the wife of co-founder Patrice Patrice Con Kellers to purchase a mansion that used to be the headquarters of the Communist Party of Canada, according to public records viewed by the New York Post. M4BJ, which is a nonprofit based in Toronto, was set up in part by Janyana Khan. Bought the 10,000 square foot mansion for $6.3 million in July of 2021. Khan is the wife of Khan Kellers, a self professed Marxist who helped found Black Lives Matter Global Foundation Network. Gee, Black Lives Matter is corrupt. Who saw that coming? BLM is worth, at its peak, was worth about 60, uh, $90 million. It's worth about $60 million right now. And they have had nothing but scandals. Patrice Kellers bought three homes in 2020 worth about $3.2 million. She never reported where the money came from. She this scandal was so bad because people in the BLM network were saying, I, you know, what are you guys doing with all this money? And these are other BLM chapters. And she said she wouldn't answer the question and she decided to resign. Now, apparently at the time she said she had picked one person to run BLM. Um, she never said who she gave a couple of names. Well, last week, apparently, those two people did not know they were run- the one person that they said, you're running BLM. Yeah, apparently, she didn't know about it. So, the question comes about is, who's running Black Lives Matter right now? Who's, run- who's in control of the 60 to $90 million they have? One of, that's, only, that's only two or three of the scandals. Then you got the guy, the BLM uh, leader of the New York City chapter, while Eric Adams was trying to become mayor, saying that BLM is just going to resort to violence if 
Eric Adams, the mayor, Eric Adams, decides to increase the police uh, aggression. So if police go out there and do their job, he's basically saying BLM is going to go out there and commit violence. How this guy isn't in jail, I have no idea. Assorted chapters throughout the entire country, including Chicago, have been wondering where is this money and what is BLM actually doing for their community communities? Chicago's a prime example where you've got tons of black-on-black crime. You've got tons of social issues in Chicago when it comes to the black communities. And BLM seems to be nowhere near Chicago. They don't seem to be helping them out at all. Okay, we know where the money is. The money is being used to enrich the Black Lives Matter global network leadership. This is a Marxist organization, they admit it, that uses tragedy in the black community to push discord. And that tragedy involves when a white person kills a black person. Now, when a black person kills a black person, they don't care. That's just not that big of a deal. Their ultimate goal, and again, they state this, is to overturn all the American institutions to transform the country into some sort of communist utopia. That's what they're trying to do. They admit it. Patrice Kellers has said on camera, I'm a trained Marxist. And it's not just race they use. They also use gender. They also use class. Their goal is to pit people against each other. That's what they do. That's what they want to do. Now, this organization is a nonprofit, and it shouldn't be. It should be investigated. I mean, they don't have to pay taxes. It should be investigated for corruption. And people should end up in prison after this whole thing. This is a comp- this is a, a an organization that uses uh, that uses white guilt to con companies into donating to them, and then they don't have to pay taxes on it. They became powerful. They've been around a long time, but they became powerful when George Floyd died. Do you think anyone at BLM gave a rat's ass that a drug dealing felon, a drug using felon? who was probably going to die anyway because he had OD'd, died? No. They only care that he died from a white person. Okay, and don't get me wrong. I I saw the video, and I don't think that that police officer is a good guy. I've heard things about him. I don't talk about it because I can't confirm anything. But I heard he's a really iffy individual. But they wouldn't give a damn. If George Floyd was killed by a black man, they wouldn't give a damn damn about it so i personally think that that organization they need to be they need to be investigated and their leadership needs to go to prison because you know they have not been using that that money correctly money that people have been donating expecting them to make some sort of social change okay i'm sorry i went off on them so john kirby went on fox news with dana perino I like Dana Perino. She's cute as a button. Uh, They were talking about the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. 
If you don't know who John Kirby is, he's one of the Defense Department spokesmen. That's who he is. He used to be a general in the Army. At the end of the interview, Dana Perino asked him a question that I think every normal human being that looks at our military is wondering. Is wokeness in the military hurting our military? And she saw this as an important question simply because, well, now you've got North Korea that's sent out like 20 missiles this month. You have China threatening you have China threatening Taiwan and you have Russia threatening Ukraine. So there's a lot of reasons to think that maybe having a strong military is kind of important right now. Well, John Kirby did not think that the question was really all that relevant. He thought it was ridiculous. Uh, in fact, yeah, he ridiculous the point. He kind of got ticked about it, but he also got something else. We also learned something else about what he thinks of it, that what he thinks is wrong. And I'll talk about that in a second. Let's just listen to that part of the interview. Um, on some criticism in the U.S. military that that perhaps there's too much of a leftward tilt or a wokeness in our military when we face really determined adversaries, committed adversaries uh, in China, Russia, Iran, who maybe don't have those same kind same kind of pressures. How do you respond to those criticisms? Oh, I, you know, it depends on what they are, but I think a lot of it, quite frankly, is is driving a stake through a straw man here. This this uh, this argument of of wokeness in the military. I, I was in the military for 30 years. And I can tell you things like diversity and inclusion, that makes us a better military because it brings to the to the fore in the decision-making, operational decision-making, that we conduct better ideas, more unique perspectives, somebody else's lived experiences which might actually make us smarter on the battlefield. So I mean, those, those kinds of arguments, I, I, think, uh, I, I think, are uh, ridiculous because right. we are a stronger military because of our diversity and because we represent all Americans just like we defend all Americans. Now, I, I have said this before, I'll say it again, but all of these clowns, all of these clowns should be fired or they should resign. I think a couple of them should probably be sent to the brig. They are so terrible. That includes General Milley, that includes Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, and John Kirby. I think after what they did in Afghanistan should lead someone to sit back and really question whether these guys, A, have the United States in the best interest, or B, are even competent to do their jobs. Now, a couple of things about this. First off, did you hear his answer? He kind of said, mm, we're not doing the woke thing, but then he goes out of his way to defend it. Hey, I think people are just trying to stab a straw man. Uh, says that we're not doing wokeness. But then he sits there and talks for 15 minutes about how great diversity is and how they are pushing diversity, wokeness, social justice in the military. He just doesn't want to say that in so many words. And he wants to make it out to the Fox News folks that, oh, no, no we're not doing any of that stuff. Just like we're not doing CRT or, or critical gender theory in schools. We're not doing that, but if we did, it'd be a good thing. Listen, I was in the military. Let, let me let you in on something. The military is diverse already. It doesn't need any more diversity. Black, white, Hispanics are all together. Jews, Muslims, and Christians, they're all together. Men and women, all together. My 
drill, one of my drill sergeants was a woman. We are all on the same page. Smart and dumb, all together. The speech that gunnery sergeant Hartman used in full or gave in full metal jacket is pretty much sums up the military. Everyone is equal. No one is different. They are all military. Their color doesn't matter. Their class doesn't matter. Their religion doesn't matter. Their sex doesn't matter. The military is a brotherhood, and I mean that in a, new, a gender neutral way. A, that drill sergeant, when I was in the army, was my brother, and I was her brother. That's how the military works, especially the Marines. The Marines seem to be the ones that are, are, are actually fighting against this stuff, which I think is great. We're all soldiers, and we only have a couple things we need to do. Defend, defeat the enemy, and be there for each other during battle. That's really what the military is about. This is where the military is going wrong right now. Instead of creating a brotherhood by stripping away the individuality of the of the person, which is what the military used to be. You were in basic. You were scum. You were garbage. And they told you that. You are not an individual. You are part of a machine. Now, the military is trying to embrace a person's individuality. When I was in the military, I did not care whether the person next to me was black and white. But today's woke military is acknowledging their race. And they're pushing it through critical race theory being implemented into the military, radical gender theory they're implementing into the military. So suddenly, soldiers do have to look at the individual race and their religion. And they need to, and they're being encouraged to make judgments about them and about themselves. Here's a newsflash. The military has two things it's got to do. Kill people, blow things up. That's what the military does. That's what they're supposed to be doing. They're not supposed to give a damn about race of anybody. It's irrelevant. And that's how it used to be when I was in the military. And another thing. Here's something wild and crazy. What's the big deal with diversity anyway? You know, there were writers like Ann Coulter, Ben Shapiro, a lot of writers. Shelby Steele was another one. Who Shelby Steele is a black man. Who, like, what's the big deal with diversity anyway? We can work together. We don't have to like being somebody. You don't even have to like a black person or a white person. Diversity is, is there. It, it's, that's always been there. Why do we need to force it on people? It's been happening naturally since the 60s in the United States. My last job, I worked with a black guy, a Mexican guy, a Jewish guy. We all worked together. It was not that big a deal. But now we got to force it on everyone, down everyone's throat. And it really, it's just not a, it's just not right. And with our military, the one thing they're supposed to be doing is just winning wars. I, do you think Russia is worried about diversity? Do you think China's worried about diversity? Well, China is, is worried about diversity. They don't want it in there at all. 
China just released, I think about two months ago, they just released a, uh, a memo stating that the military in China needs to be more masculine. So go figure that. Well, we're sitting here worried about pregnancy flight suits for pregnant women or pregnant persons, whatever they're calling it. Those people are, are building a military that just goes out to kill you. All right. Now, last story. I just finished a book called Woke Inc. by a former big pharma CEO named Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, it was a pretty good book. I wasn't, I, I thought it was pretty good. Um, and it's about how corporations are going woke and why they're doing it. It also talks about the 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 corporations going woke in a capitalist society can be quite dangerous for democracy because now you're making companies companies are the ones that are determining policy um it was very informative a little long-winded um but it showed the individual from a different point of view it showed individual from the corporation's point of view and I think the author, uh, Ramaswamy, has a lot of credibility simply because he was a P CEO. He was a, he's a very moderate, I, they say, he says, he calls himself a conservative. And I don't think he's a conservative. I think he's actually, he's actually quite uh, liberal. I'd say he's quite moderate. Um, but... Uh, it was. It's just a very interesting way to look at it, and so I, I thought it was kind of, I how the woke companies are using the stock market, are using capitalism, things like that. I thought that was very interesting because I'd never heard, uh, I never seen it from that aspect before. So that's where I think the book was uh, valuable. Um, was it a great book? It was good. I mean, it was kind of long winded kind of dry at times, but it, it was pretty good. So the second to last chapter of this book was what made me want to talk about it. And it, I thought it was quite enlightening. And I, I believe this stuff too. He talks about the bastardization of service within this country. He, he basically said, all but the best of us perform service for personal gain, personal reasons. We don't actually perform a service or donate our time or donate our money unless we're going to get something back on it. And his problem is our kids are learning that in schools. For example, a kid in high school, if they want to go to, let's say, Harvard or Yale, they will have to go to, they have to donate their time. They have to do some sort of community service thing. And he said, that's bad. Because people are doing the community service thing, not for the community service, but so that they can get into a better school. Um, and he sees this specifically in woke service, in the, in the guise of protest. People don't protest because they know about what they're protesting, or they even believe or like what they're protesting. They protest so they can feel better about themselves for being woke or being a social justice warrior. Now we see we see journalists like Jesse Waters, Stephen Crowder, uh, Fleckus, who's a, uh, a journalist for um, a journalist on YouTube. 
they show how, not naive, but how these people are just doing it to be woke, to feel good about themselves, because half the time they can't argue about anything that they're protesting. They have no idea why they're actually out there. Okay. But the big problem that Ramaswamy sees is that a lot of the service is distinctly anti-American. A lot of those protests, a lot of things that we're learning in schools, it's all anti-American. Raswami says that we need to push people into service that is distinctly pro-American, civic service, things like that. Now, I believe this. I thought it was a good idea that Americans, I thought it would be a good idea if Americans actually were forced to join the military for a couple of years. I mean, they've been doing this in a lot of different countries in the world. They do it in Singapore. They do it in Israel. You have to join the military for two years of service. I thought this was a good idea. Uh, now, I thought, honestly, I thought the military did me a lot of good. Now, I didn't, just just to put just to put it all on the table, I didn't complete my service. I only served about three years because I had some youthful indiscretions that I will not get into that the military did not appreciate. But those three years I was there really did have an effect on me. But Ramaswamy says that that would not work. And he convinced me, yeah, he's probably right. The first reason it wouldn't work to have all Americans join the military for two years is that we still have freedoms in this country. We have our opinions. Our opinions mean something. So if you have conscientious objectors out there, that's an accepted form of society. And we have to respect that. So we can't force them to join the military. If you don't want to serve in the military because you think the military is evil or you think war is evil, you have a right to do that. The second reason he says this isn't going to work is it's too late. We need to have our youth performing pro-American, pro-community service when they are young. The problem is that our kids are already learning this quid pro quo service uh, service model where they get something in return for what they give. He says we need to break that from them and make it so that they give whether they like it or not. He suggests the best time to do this is during the summer. Now, I, I love this argument. I love this this advice too. He says that our kids have way too much free time on their hands. They get two and a half months off for summer. They get a month off for Christmas vacation. They get two weeks off for spring break. I mean, and then what do they do in their free time? Nothing. They sit on their phone. They sit on their computers. They don't do anything. I mean, most kids today, I, I, I see this with kids I know, Josie's kids, I see this a lot. They don't even work. They're 15, 16, 17. They're not even, they have no desire to get a job. At 15, I was working at McDonald's. I was, at 13, my mother forced me to go from door to door in the neighborhood and ask if somebody needed yard work done. They forced me to work because they wanted me to develop a work ethic. And that is just not done today. So it would be a great thing if kids, your summer vacation's off, you have to work six, eight, six hours a day, four hours a day, whatever, during the summers, and you have to volunteer. Volunteer at a hospital. 
volunteer at a VA. You have to volunteer. You have to do something. And by the time they're actually finished high school, they've got about a year, year and a half of experience in something else. I think it's a great idea. I don't think it'll ever work. I don't think it will ever be implemented in this country. I can't imagine the backlash you'd get from parents. I can't imagine the backlash you'd get from the kids. Because this is not woke, making kids work. I mean, right now our government is trying to stop us from working. They don't want us working. They want us living at home off the government. But I think it's a great idea. And I've always told, when... when it's a great idea because then they develop community pride. They see what real diversity is because if you all have to do it, you're all going to have to work together. And that's a lot like the military. Um, you see how a teamwork works. You get job experience. And maybe you develop some pride. You develop some confidence. Because I know I look at kids today, Yeah, there's just not a lot of that out there. There's a lot of arrogance. There's a lot of, well, I know better than you do kind of thing, but that's not pride. That's not that's not confidence. That's being arrogant. And probably wrong, too. And I also think that when you get people together, not only is it diversity, not only does it bring everything that the left claims they like, but it is brings us a sense of community. And community is really important, especially in this country. Work at a VA. See what it's like working at a VA. Do it for nothing. Just go over there. I'm going to work at the VA. The sense of community in a VA, that's actually where I did work in the Army. But working in a VA, you really get a sense of not only community, not only spirit, but you get a sense of the lives of other people. And you get that pro-American pride. Again, something like that would never be implemented here. They'd never want it. But I think for our kids' sake, I'd like to see parents more like my mother and father, my grandparents, forcing children to get jobs. I used I tell I tell this to uh, Josie's daughter all the time. I, she said, oh, she's looking for a job. She's 17 and a half years old. She still doesn't have a job. Never had a job. And I tell her, well, the best job you can get is go to McDonald's, get a job. You'll have a job in 10 seconds. They'll hire you in 10 seconds. Best best starting job. You know why? Hardest. Working at a fast food joint, one of the hardest freaking jobs you could ever work in. McDonald's, you smell like crap all day. You smell like Big Macs all day. Burn yourself constantly. You're constantly cleaning. It's one of the hardest jobs. I can tell you why I was thrilled I worked a year at McDonald's because every other job I had after that was a breeze compared to it. And it made me realize I don't want to stick with a minimum wage job and that's why I ended up going to college. That's one of the reasons I was always working minimum wage jobs. And every once in a while I got a job that paid me more but it was still not going to get me rich or well off. So I ended up going to college. Okay, so um, that is uh, just something I pulled away from the book Woke Inc. by Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, I'd suggest reading it. I think it was a pretty good book. Uh, I'm probably not doing a podcast tomorrow because tomorrow is my writing day. 
Uh, again, I'm probably going to go Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Just kind of depends what happens. And so far this week, it's been kind, kind of quiet. So we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. Take a look at the show notes and the links I have there. Have fun. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Thank you.